We have the nuke. Get me, Haggerty. Who has one thumb and just saved Las Vegas? This guy! That mother... Oh my god! <laughs> That's a great scene! <laughs> Welcome to Court Killers Reckoning. The world of entertainment is turned upside down, and we're just trying to find out how to watch what we want, where we want, whenever we want. Where's the good stuff? I'm Tom Merritt. Hey, dude. Uh, I'm Brian Brushwood. Uh, Bryce, real quick, before we introduce our guest, mm. what was that, and why did it look instantly awesome? Yeah, that was a trailer for Netflix's upcoming crime comedy, Obliterated. Uh, you take The Hangover and... You really take it's a lot of the hangover. They use the word the hangover <laughs> in the trailer. Ah! Uh, and Paul Blart, and you have this. It's it looks like a bunch of bomb disposal, like a special oper operations crew save Vegas, but then they have a crazy night out, and then they also have to <laughs> save the day while they're hungover, you know, all that sort of stuff. So that's coming to Netflix November 30th. Uh, I did not hear one thing I did not love about this project, except for the Paul Blart. Uh, Paul Blart's Tom. got belly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, if if uh, if you can't decide whether you loved the trailer or hated the description of that, uh, we have a third person to rule on the matter. Chris Mancini, welcome back to the show. Great to be here, uh, guys. Uh, yeah, the the trailer has everything I like as well, but also everything I've seen a lot of times before. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah, it, it's it's. Uh, but but uh, I've noticed that things get an upgrade in my uh, uh, consumption mind when it's two things that are tired and old, but they're combined like chocolate and peanut butter in a novel way. And it can hit that weird sweet spot of like, I don't know why I like this. You know, on paper, I shouldn't, but I want to see this immediately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, the the trailer the trailer really does have that effect. Uh, of course, Chris. Uh, you are uh, you are White Cat Entertainment. You are its graphic novels. You are the embodiment yep. of that en entire enterprise. Uh, it's good to have you back. Uh, great to be back. It's always uh, fun to be here. There's a lot of chords to kill, as you know. So uh, we'll be getting into that as well. So indeed, uh, indeed, forward to it. We we have uh, we have decided just just last week, Chris. We decided that most of the chords are dead, <laughs> and so <laughs> at some point so it's now, a bad look when we're still just you know just yeah. hatcheting at the chords. Yeah, and it's like, they're, they're the sort of pulling Stop us the off the chords. <laughs> like the fight's over. Um, so now now we're we've brought a reckoning to the streaming companies of like, okay, you won, mm. but are you going to be good about it? Are you going to be good winners? No, there. That's a quick answer. So yeah, exactly. That's, so that's, that's what we're figuring that's... out, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're going to be sore winners. Is really the uh, what it <laughs> yeah, looks like. It's that's, going that's a good win. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, and so we're left on our own in this post-apocalyptic landscape uh, to find the good stuff. So let's go on a supply run. Supply run. Supply run. Supply run. No better way uh, to ring in the new era of cord killers than to settle a strike. I feel like it, it's it's us. We we did it. Uh, Writers Guild of America has accepted a contract with the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, and we got the terms. We knew the strike was over last Monday, but we didn't know any of the details. Uh, here are some of the terms and rules that were agreed upon. First of all, regarding 
AI tools. So mostly large language models, ChatGPT, generative AI, like Dolly for images. Uh, if AI tools are used to create material in a script, they can't be credited. A WGA writer who used the tool must still get the credit. And of course, under WGA rules, the WGA writer has to be the writer who gets the credit. Uh, so you can't use somebody who's not in the union. Uh, but the point is, AI can't be credited as a source. Now, a studio also can't require a writer to use AI tools. Uh, companies must disclose if any of the materials they are giving to a writer were generated by an AI. That covers if an exec, you know, makes a treatment using ChatGPT, they have to tell them that. Uh, and companies may use writer materials to train their own models, but the WGA reserves the right to assert that such training violates the agreement or the law. Uh, in essence, this is the WGA saying, all right, we'll let you train your models unless we notice something we don't like and then we have the right to stop you. Um, if they don't like how it's being done, they can do that. More material to the writers is probably the pay versus the AI guidelines because these AI guidelines seem fairly reasonable. Uh, streamers must now share streaming data with writers so they know just how well the projects they've worked on have done. Uh, and this will inform new increased royalty payments made for streaming titles. So not suits, but something like Stranger Things made for streaming uh, that are viewed by 20% or more of domestic subscribers of a service in the first 90 days after release, give a bonus between nine and $16,400 for TV episodes and more $40,500 for a film. Uh, if that film has a budget of more than $30 million, there's also an increase of foreign residuals expected to hit about 76%. So Chris, uh, it's mostly about money, right? What, what's your take on this settlement? No, it actually isn't. It's, it's more about disclosure because the studios never want to give away any kind of information or, or what they're doing. And, uh, money is definitely a part of it, but I mean, the whole thing started with like, uh, well, you know, we're, oh, we're doing great. Our streaming numbers are great, but oh, we're not making any money and we can't show you the numbers. I'm like, well, wait, how, how can you be doing great? And then you're not allowed to show the numbers to the actors and the writers and the directors. It, it made very little sense. And that was one of the things that they fought so long and hard. Well, we're not making any money. Well, show us the numbers. We can't do that. So, <laughs> um, the fact that the guilds are getting disclosure on these numbers and streaming numbers is a big deal because all of that translates then to money, but the uh, transparency is a huge win. And it's also not just with the AI, but also with um, the streaming numbers, which they have tried since the beginning of streaming to hide and not uh, share with anybody. And so that's a big deal. And all of that kind of just, you know, flows into like making more money, uh, you know, and then of course we have like the minimum staffing requirements and all the things that the WGA fought for. But um, me personally, I think the biggest win was the uh, transparency to actually see what has happening, see what things, what they're actually doing. And, uh, you know, the policing of the AI is really important because you've got all of this, basically AI is, is, in a way is kind of like copyright infringement and plagiarism. It creates existing things that artists have created and then, you know, shoves it through a filter and then spits it back out. And then the actual people that made the original things that are feeding the AI don't get any credit. So all of this is fantastic. And I think it's the um, transparency and policing that are really the big wins. And I think you're going to see similar uh, gains on the uh, new SAG agreement. There, uh, when, when I started uh, becoming an entrepreneur and uh, independent, um, 
I, I forget where the source was, but there was a book that informed me that uh, when people work for a company, there are different currencies. It's not just the dollars. It's also the respect. It's also the uh, credit. Uh, and we see that in Hollywood all the time where people will give up massive amounts of money in order to have them be a producer instead of a co-executive producer or what have you. Um, and uh, I, I totally grok all of that uh, along with the fact that I grok that you want to know that what you're doing matters and you want some sense of uh, an ability to track it. Uh, I, I, that was something early on that I craved so very, very much when we started scam school as like, can you just give me the metrics? Can you let me know what's working, what's not working and how many people I'm impacting and all that stuff. And there is value to that. And if, if many people would be like, why, what do you care? You got paid. And it's like, people don't right. go to Hollywood just to get paid. If you, in fact, if you wanted to get paid, you would probably never go to Hollywood. <laughs> you yeah. would probably go literally anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you see the the differences, too, of like, you know, not it's not just like you said, you know, the credit, it's the opportunities and also the way studios and streamers look at the value of the artist. Is it just a cost that should be reduced at any, you know, at any any way we can? Or is there a value and is this a commodity? And that's kind of the thinking that always kind of needed to change. And do you remember that movie, uh, Wag the Dog? Oh, sure. With, yeah. Uh, and do you remember the end where Dennis Hopper was absolutely, uh, um, I'm sorry, not Dennis Hopper, uh, uh, Dustin, uh, Dustin Hoffman, Hoffman yep. was absolutely furious. Like they, they went through this whole thing is like, I don't care about the money. I want the credit. I want the credit. I want the credit. I want the credit. And I'm thinking that is the truest piece of Hollywood. <laughs> That, yes. you know that is in this movie and had a lot of truth in that movie but uh that was like a super real scene and you're absolutely right it's really you know and then when you get to a certain level especially with you know producers then it's all about the credit after that uh and 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 i would say in a in a world built on fantasy storytelling you know hollywood uh it, it, it makes sense. It's like, uh, no, no, no. I, I want everybody to know that I'm the one who came up with this particular character or this particular scene or yes. what have you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah I, it, I feel like the, the days of J.D. Salinger are kind of over where I'm like, no, I'm going to be a recluse and I'm not going to do interviews and no one can ever <laughs> talk to me. No, it's more, you know, I want to be on Instagram or TikTok and people need to know this was mine. <laughs> yeah. It, it felt to me like this, this strike was mostly about streaming the way previous strikes were about webisodes or DVDs or whatever the new format was that the old agreement didn't contemplate. 100%, uh, and and yes. that, that's where we were, is that, hey, we don't have any rules around this new format that's bringing in tons of money. It's time we yes. agree on how this is all going to work, money, credit, and the rest of it, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And uh, um, it, it's really that a, that a lot of times, like you said, kind of triggers the strikes. It's always, you know, there's always a little bit about money, but it's also about the new technology and how that money will be generated or hidden is. Uh, yeah, is, yeah. Is really well, and and, and there is a little bit um, if you read some, I, I think there's some Freakonomics articles on it or something uh, talking about um, uh, respect and honor culture. It makes me think of Miller's Crossing, the whole what people go will go to because somebody gave them the high hat. Um uh, uh, that is primal to humans. And if, if people are respected, which makes me think of the AI thing, like on the one hand, yes, AI is a tool. A GPT model is basically uh, the sum total of written knowledge of all humans before it. 
gone through a filter, but it's like, no, but I'm the one who had the idea that was made flesh through this tool. And much like Photoshop or whatever, people don't say credit artist, also Adobe, you know, they just say credit <laughs> artist and that's <laughs> credit. That, that totally makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah. I, I felt like if the only issue here had been the AI stuff, uh, there wouldn't have been a strike because I look at what they agreed on with the AI and I'm like, none of the violations of these rules were likely to have ever happened. And if they did, certainly not more than once. Uh, Isn't it yeah, weird maybe how some... the strike started with like, hey, we're not going to give you anything. Yeah. <laughs> You're absolutely right, Tom. If it was one issue, they would have moved forward or figured it out. But yeah, the, the, it was it was a gauntlet that was thrown down and not expected to be picked up. Oh, yeah. that's interesting. I didn't think about it that way. Like there, there was simmering frustrations and the moment I suspect the pandemic ended. Uh, so imagine being a writer in who your, your, your passion project came out in 2018. And then imagine watching the world catch fire with the pandemic, everybody being forced by law to stay at home. Imagine reading article after article after article about how streaming is king and you didn't get paid and nobody knows you did the thing that you did yep. and there's nothing you can do about it. I would imagine that you would hit kind of a tipping point. And so it, I, 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 I think I just had an epiphany. Like, like it makes sense that this would be the time that everybody would, you know, snap and be like, never again. That was awful. I, and the at last that time years. we were all pitching animated shows, right? <laughs> because those could be made uh, you know, yep. remotely. <laughs> uh, you know what? Some yeah. of us were pitching an animated show that uh, 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 got killed because of, of pressure from the WGA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have no idea who those people are, but I, I feel for them. <laughs> I really, really do, Brian. Uh, so the, uh, the other thing that we wanted to talk about as we we get more details on the strike is the return of the shows that weren't happening now a lot of dramas and things are coming out that were already in the bank so we really won't see the gap in pre-produced stuff until later as they try to furiously catch up with the lost time that they had here so we'll we'll update that as we find out what the schedules look like there but the stuff that is done on a daily basis is back uh fallon colbert kimmel seth meyers probably have all returned by the time you hear this they're they're returning monday night uh october 2nd john oliver returns sunday the daily show's not coming back till october 6th that's just a few days later uh only because its schedule is a few days later uh and it isn't coming back with a host but it didn't have a host before the strike so that's just picking up right. where they left off where they're Rotating. using guest hosts right uh which also is probably tactically a smart play because um it's a bit like when Iran was shooting mortars at the same time that uh, uh, was was it Kobe Bryant that that died in a helicopter crash and one covered the other. So it's like they're going through their own. Oh, you like news co coverage overlapping? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's like you don't have enough mental bandwidth to follow both stories, so you go to the other one. So it's like uh, this is good camouflage for the Daily Show to kind of suss out who their next host yeah. should be. And they have finally announced that they will pick a new host next year. They haven't given any clues of who they're favoring. Uh, there's a lot of speculation out there, but it uh, does sound like they're going to keep doing the alternating guest hosts uh, until sometime in 2024. Well, we will not be doing alternating guest hosts. Brian and I are going to keep <laughs> hosting this show as long as you keep funding the show. And the show is 
totally funded just by you, the person watching or listening right now. You know what? That's kind of why we call you guys our bosses. And now that I think about it, Tom, maybe we should alternate. Like you could be host and I could be a co-host and we could flip hear it again <laughs> constantly based on the oh, whims of our it's bosses. great to be guesting on your show brian and then exactly. next week it's vice versa yeah yeah uh, this sounds like more work card. for me yeah. this is, sounds like more work for brian <laughs> <laughs> the most the most important part is that people go to patreon.com that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash cord killers and keep us loud live and independent we had a problem this week tom mm. Really? What, what was the problem? Well, I mean, uh, as I am want to do, I am, I am asking our bosses to support us at various levels. We got an right. email from Ander who pointed out, uh, <clears throat> gang, Patreon is being a little baby pants and not letting me change to $1.63 per episode, which is our current ask. Instead, it is setting my amount to a piddly and disgusting $1 no matter what I try. I mm. hate them for this. I've submitted a formal request and expect that this be resolved post-haste. Hold fast. Ander, I think we both know the solution here. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this month, we demand $2 per episode from our bosses. <laughs> we are going to strike if it does not happen. <laughs> <laughs> we are negotiating with ourselves over this, and only you can keep the strike from happening. $2 per episode, patreon.com slash cordkillers. Fight for Let's transparency. <laughs> also, yes. all, all four of us have preemptively grown beards. That's right. <laughs> These are our, our playoff beards. Wait, that doesn't, never mind. Let's move on to the search party. We are in search of good stuff to watch and Netflix uh, trying to give us tons of it. If you're an anime fan, it held its drop zero one event to announce new anime content premiered the first three episodes of Castlevania Nocturne uh, before it came out. It's now all out, uh, came out September 28th. Kevin Smith's Masters of the Universe Revolution is going to return next year. There was a first look at the animated Tomb Raider series that'll be coming in 2024. Clip of Scott Pilgrim Takes Off uh, was released. That one's coming November 17th. Blue Eye Samurai coming November 3rd. Far Cry spinoff Captain Laserhawk, a Blood Dragon remix uh, coming October 19th. And a quick look at the third chapter of Sonic Prime as well as a new animated series based on Devil May Cry. All of that was announced in Drop Zero One. Bryce, I know you pay attention to this, right? Uh, a, a little bit. I, I think there's a lot. It's really interesting seeing uh, these game licenses lean into animated. I think uh, the 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 risks are just really really high with doing live action. It seems, whereas with the animation, they have a pretty good sense. It'll it'll look pretty good. The writing will be pretty good because they can animate. They don't it's have to not do even it just action. animation. It's literally anime. It's that that one specific style. All these uh, game licenses are being translated to. Yeah, um, I I think it's. I think it's fine. Like it means that the Castlevania series was good uh, when it may may not have been. Um, I, I think this is this this is good. This is good to me. I don't know. Chris, I already watched gonna... all of Nocturne. Ah, uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so I enjoyed it. And, and you know what the thing is that, that they're they're hitting that sweet spot of like it's not surprising anyone. Like you don't watch like an anime Castlevania um, animated thing and then go, wow, this is nothing like what I expected. It's exactly what you, you kind of expect. It's bloody, it's ridiculous. And it's, you know, it's um, 
characters with you know wide eyes and and uh, killing vampires and it, it it's fun and it's it, it's you know I enjoyed it. There there are definitely guilty pleasures and uh, every once in a while it'll go the opposite. Like we were talking about like One Piece, like that new live action One Piece is like huge, but the anime was crazy popular on Netflix too. That's true. Yeah, I, I my the only gap it makes in here no is sense it, by the way. You know, the anime I, or the live action. It literally makes no sense. Uh, I'm not sure. I think I liked the, the first couple episodes, but yeah, I think it is, actually. <laughs> uh, I don't see enough white cat entertainment anime. That That's my only problem. Here. <laughs> it's in the works, Tom. It's in the works. Good, good. <laughs> uh, Warner Brothers Discovery launched CNN Max inside of Max. So if you have the streaming service, you get it. It's not like a separate service like CNN Plus was supposed to be. That started last Wednesday. A lot we'll of sell it, it is to similar. Netflix in a week, probably. So, <laughs> a lot of it is similar to what you get from CNN on cable. Uh, so you get Aaron Burnett out front, Anderson Cooper three hundred and sixty, uh, the source with Caitlin Collins. All of that is in there, just like it would be on cable. You also get morning shows, early start with Cassie Hunt, CNN this morning, and you get some CNN international content. So Amanpour, One World, and State of the Race with Katie Hunt. And there's some original programming. So it's kind of a mix of the best of all of the CNN channels, including some new stuff like uh, CNN Newsroom. Uh, in addition to the live stream, there are also about 900 hours of CNN live programming. So that includes a lot of their docs, uh, Who's Talking to Chris Wallace, Anthony Bourdain, Parts Unknown, Stanley Tucci Searching for Italy, stuff like that. I, I don't know about y'all, but this, this just feels like the thing that all the streaming services need to have now, except for Netflix. Uh, Hulu includes ABC News. Uh, Paramount Plus has CBS News. Peacock has NBC News. Everybody's putting a news program into their streaming service, except for Fox, which doesn't have a premier streaming service, unlike the rest of them. Well, and we'll talk a little bit about this more later, but this is part of the reason we're doing the Court Killers Reckoning thing is because we're seeing these streaming services consolidate and and they've and they congrats you stab the king right in the back how are you going to deal with that <laughs> uh try to become the king yeah. so <laughs> yeah yeah they're trying to figure out like what well do we call them hubs do, what do we what do we call them now it's like you know you have hbo max or and then it's max and now you have cnn underneath it and adult swim and all of these sub brands underneath and uh i mean they're still struggling with how to present everything every streamer is because as the libraries grow you know they're trying to figure out better ways to uh, present them oh they should be doing that instead they're selling off bits and pieces randomly so that's that's the other weird opposite thing of that as well yeah it does it does feel like max particularly warner brothers discovery particularly is trying to say we're the everything app you don't need anything else and the fact is, that's never going to be the case. Nobody ever right. just watched NBC, right? As if, when you could turn the channel to ABC, you'd watch it sometimes and you watch a little bit of everything. Uh, that's one of the complaints is people say, well, I can't afford to get everything. I don't think everybody should get every platform, but people are going to have more than one. And so people aren't going to rely just on one platform for news, sports and entertainment. Uh, because some of the sports they want isn't going to be on Max. It's going to be over on ESPN or it might be on CBS Sports or something like that. So it's always going to be a mix. It's just we've gone from 12 channels under a corporate umbrella in cable where you have to pay one fee to get everything, whether you want to or not, to platforms that each have a collection of things all in one app, and then you decide which ones you want to pick. I've noticed that humans tend to 
there's a subsection of us who the moment they find out that everyone likes a thing, they want to be the one who doesn't like the thing. <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> in, in general, I tend to be resistant to, you know, for example, Twitter becoming X, the everything app, uh, allegedly. Um, like my daughter flat out says, if it's popular, it's not good. And she can't break herself of that. Uh, so so I, I, I don't think that's a great way to go on that. The next season of True Detective, Night County, is coming to HBO January 14th. And I say HBO because some people still just get HBO through their cable service. Obviously, uh, if you have Max, you get HBO in there, too. Uh, it stars Jodie Foster and Callie Reese. A trailer is out for the six-episode series. Issa Lopez is showrunner, writer, and director of all the episodes. So under that new WGA thing, uh, that they get to do that because you can have a single writer as long as they write all the episodes. So uh, uh, th uh, this one, just looking at it, like I have such affection and trust for True Detective as a as a, a brand or a, as a vertical that it's like, uh, yeah, I get it. Instead of swamps, it's cold. Instead of men, it's women. I'm like, I'm in. Like, I, I trust you, True Detective. Tell me yet another excellent story. Yeah. Are you a and True it's, Detective uh, it's fan, an anthology. Chris? It's an anthology with, you know, different stories and detectives. And, uh, you know, there there's you know, a lot of debate on which seasons are better than others, but uh, I'm glad it's coming back. Yeah. And is the, this is the first one with Issa Lopez doing everything, I believe. I, I, so. I believe you. Yeah. It's a, it's a departure there too. So we'll, we'll see a different style of true detective. Uh, another thing that's helping movie theaters is concerts, uh, not live concerts in movie theaters, but movies of concerts in movie theaters. The Taylor Swift, the eras tour movie will now release worldwide on October 13th, more than a hundred countries. And Beyonce has entered the chat, releasing a trailer for her concert film of the Renaissance World Tour, which will come to AMC, Regal, and Cinemark in the U.S. on December 1st. So uh, one thing that, that struck me when I read this article was that people tend to like being around other people. And for a hot minute, we weren't able to do that. And yeah, yes, we were technically able to watch the concert while everybody was safely socially distanced or whatever. But I think there's a deep psychic wound, even in even if you're not actually at the concert, which by the way, concerts are blowing up, vacations are blowing up, all this stuff. Um, uh, but just seeing all these people happy together, I think is is kind of what people are hungry to watch. Chris, you ever seen a concert in a theater? This. You know, it's the kind of thing, it doesn't interest me, but I get the, the appeal. And uh, I wonder if it's only specifically like, um, it, there's only a certain, like, it's like the superstars are able to kind of pull it off. Uh, whereas, you know, as you kind of go down the list, uh, then it's like, maybe not as viable. But uh, I'm curious to see. Uh, because the other thing that it helps is the movie theaters, because there's less product being released and they're trying to figure out what else they can show that people will show up for. So it's kind of a win win for for these yeah, I've, for these acts specifically. I think also a big part of it is the cost. I mean, these these are the probably the two biggest tours probably in the world at the moment, if ever. Uh, and they're expensive. They hundreds of dollars to go to these places to fly in, spend the day, or like, hey, twenty twenty five bucks, and you'll get popcorn, and you're not going to blow your ears out at an AMC. Like, I I think there's a there's a big value play here that even even for a Taylor Swift or a Beyonce, 
I think you, I think you, there are a lot of artists who you can bring the notoriety down and still do something like this really successful. Well, and, and we also have um, uh, stuff like uh, at the Sphere in Las Vegas, you two performing. Like I would pay, I would, I would love to scratch the itch of wondering what does it look like to be there for only fifteen bucks or whatever. Yeah, I, I've done this uh, more than more than a couple of times. Uh, and, and what's cool about it is, yes, you can watch these sorts of things in your own home. That's not new. We've had concert DVDs and even videotapes going back for ages. But you're not around the other people, like Brian was said, enjoying the concert. Right. And you see so you get when you go to a movie theater to see this a little bit of that concert feel because you're around other fans who know the songs you're seeing it in a bigger screen than you would have in your your home, so it's a little more immersive, uh, and the sounds really good uh, in in theaters, and so so the music sounds good. And I wonder how along. far down that that level goes. Like you were as you're saying, Chris, like Taylor Swift and and Beyonce, no brainers on this. Right. Dedicated fan bases like BTS have been able to do this for years. Yeah, what what what's the line under which like ooh they're not enough to bring in enough people to the theater. And, and I was curious too, like when you, since you've been to these, like, uh, you know, do people kind of sing along? Is it like one big party oh, yeah. in the movie theater? Yeah, for sure. People, people are oh, singing cool. along just like they would at a, at a concert, probably a little quieter the, the, mm-hmm. because we're all just, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, we're, we're used to being in a, in a movie theater. There, there, but. There's a bit, uh, a, a different set of rules and etiquette and modality, yeah. you know, what, <laughs> what I suspect would happen would be if everybody's really into it, somebody might quietly be singing along and then it might get a little bit louder, you know, kind of like the yes. Rocky Horror Picture o- Show. Over thing. the course of the, the concert, I definitely noticed people like clapping a little louder, a little more, singing a little louder as, as everybody's like, it's cool. It's okay. Oh, it's okay. All right. Great. Yeah. Uh, so, so it, it it is sort of overcoming a social norm uh, to to do that. But I think we're going to see more of this kind of thing. I'm actually curious what besides concerts will break out. Fathom events have been doing this sort of thing forever, right? Right. Uh, mm-hmm. This the, the, the new thing here is the size of the artist and the fact that it's directly the theaters distributing this, not, not a Fathom events where they're renting out the theater and then reselling the tickets. Yeah, this could save concert. Well, they probably films. looked at the Fathom model and went, hey, why don't we do this without them? Yeah, yeah uh, Bryce, I, th- I think you're right. It's because like in the 1980s, like not every band came to your town and you 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 got to watch the movie of the the performance. Not to mention, yeah. like the authoring of those discs, like even nowadays, Blu-rays and DVDs are 60, 70, 80 dollars for a concert film, depending on what you're getting. And then you got to really love it. You know, you got to really want to own it. And the the tough thing with streaming, we've seen some of the con- some acts go to like a, to Amazon Prime or Netflix. But then I think you have you lose some of the specialness of doing it. You lose out on a revenue source because you could just be selling those people tickets. Um, and and that all feeds into like, OK, this makes more sense to do a concert, to do a tour and to film it. Right. Because you're not just trying to sell yeah. people a plastic disc. Uh, you well, can, and and I feel around. like you're going to sell more plastic discs. You're going to sell more streaming. You're going to st- stream more songs because people will go to the concert. They'll get excited. They'll go home. They'll start to fire up Spotify to mm-hmm. carry on the mood. And then when the streaming version is uh, up for sale or available on a platform, people will watch it again because they'll want to recapture that mood if they had a good enough time. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, Netflix released a trailer for Leave the World Behind, starring Mahershala Ali, Julia Roberts, Ethan Hawke, and Kevin Bacon, written and directed by Sam Esmail, 
about a cyber attack that collapses society. It comes to select theaters November 22nd and then Netflix December 8th. Sam mm, Esmail. Yeah, you had yeah. me at Sam Esmail. Every single episode of Mr. Robot, the moment I saw directed by Sam Esmail, I knew it was a good one. It was, uh, I, I, I'm very excited. I, I know that whatever it is, it's going to be clever. It's going to be engaging. It's going to understand that we're playing chess uh, between the storyteller and the story, the story listener. Uh, I, I cannot wait, uh, and I will not watch any more trailers of this. It will, uh, and because it's going into theaters, it will be in movie theaters just long enough to qualify for awards. So, and then yeah. it'll be on Netflix. I'm okay with That's, this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it is interesting to see Netflix. They used to just put it in theaters the same day it came to Netflix, and they'd still qualify for the awards. They are doing a few more of this, like, well, we'll give it a little bit of a lead time. We'll give it a couple of weeks in the theater. They, well, they haven't it, quite figured it out because they could probably let it play in theaters. Some of them, like the um, the Knives Out sequel that they did, that was doing very well in theaters, and they kind of pulled it because they already yeah. only planned to have it in a certain amount of time. Um, but some of these movies can do very well in the theaters. I think I, I, I'm, I'm hoping that they're kind of looking at that again, going, you know, maybe we'll have an open-ended theatrical run and see what happens, or at least longer than two or four weeks. Yeah. Well, I, I would imagine that they looked at the numbers and realized that, uh, okay, we don't necessarily make a lot of money with the theatrical release because, you know, we have to split revenues with all of the theaters right. or whatever. However, the buzz is, you know, this this intangible thing um, that it, it ends up drawing. And, and one thing we've noticed on this program is that Netflix seems to be essentially picking up cake crumbs off the floor at this point. They seem to be flattening out. So I wouldn't be surprised if they would take the loss, air quotes, um, uh, on on le splitting the revenues in order to make something kind of a cultural hit in order mm -hmm. to draw more people into the platform. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and finally, James Gunn confirmed that the following DC actors will continue from the legacy DC universe pre-James Gunn into his new universe. So the actors will continue to play the parts. Uh, Sholo Maraduena will continue to play Blue Beetle. Oscar Winter Viola Davis will still be Amanda Waller. And John Cena will remain Peacemaker. That doesn't mean that's the only set of actors that will continue. That just means those Correct. are the ones James Gunn has said so far. Yeah, those are the only ones he's announcing. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the entire Suicide Squad uh, uh, <laughs> ends up in the, you know, in in the new DC uh, James Gunn universe. So, but but that's absolutely right. Like, don't take that as these are the only ones. Everyone else is gone. These are just the three that have been announced so far. It's so are these funny the three to me. that had contracts. Is that what that means? <laughs> yes, that was no secret. Yeah, but, and, and knowing that, like, uh, you have to issue a press release, and that costs money or whatever. Essentially, like, money was spent for James Gunn to say these people are cool. I like them, <laughs> and that's yeah, it. They're, they're going to be around. <laughs> All right. Uh, as we continue to look for great things to watch, we always find a few gems of our own. So, Brian, find any buried treasure this week? Oh, Most goodness. people want to know why they suddenly got rich. Buried treasure. Bryce, I, I can't wait to talk about these <laughs> bumpers. I like Hal. We, we got Hal with us today. Okay. But the, uh, uh, yeah, man. So uh, I was doing some research trying to track down a single quote from A Clockwork Orange, and I ended up reading the entire novella and watching the movie. Uh, did, did either of you two know that there are two totally different versions of the novella? One 
is a redemption story and the other is the cynical ending that 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 we've only known no i didn't know that at all yeah, yeah so, i didn't know that either. Uh, uh, so uh, uh anthony burgess uh, uh he released in england there's 21 chapters in america they cut off the last total redemption chapter and uh, it was only in 1986 that they released uh, the the whole thing but the version we got is what inspired the Stanley Kubrick film, which is excellent and thinly veiled pornography and lurid and cynical. Um, it's it, it's remarkable. I didn't know that Anthony Virgis was was raised Catholic and essentially, well, I believe he was agnostic. I'll have to double check, but he essentially was writing it as a morality play. He was it's C.S. Lewis plus rape. It it was it was <laughs> wild. Like when I finally read for the first time the. 21st chapter in the audible performance, which is excellent. I, I was moved to tears and the entire movie became wholesome to me. It was a truly remarkable experience. Um, uh, anyway, uh, uh, so I'm, I'm going to cheat and give you both a book and a movie for mine clockwork orange. Hmm. Chris, what about you? Any buried treasure? I did. I found one as I was, you know, recovering from uh, the hip surgery and uh, I'm a, a uh, child of the 80s and i did a deep dive on a disney plus and found a movie called the battle for endor which was a star wars movie that uh, came out in the 80s and here's the thing i was a big star wars fan grew up in the 80s i have no memory of this movie at all so i don't know if i blocked it out of my mind or <laughs> if i just i never uh, saw it and it is one of those movies that you think, well, this can't possibly exist. Like as I, as you're watching it, it's one of those just weird movies that makes no sense, shouldn't exist, and has very little to do with Star Wars, with the exception of the Ewok costumes. And you, I'm watching, I'm like, oh, well, this is a kid's movie. And at the beginning of the movie, this little girl's family is entirely slaughtered right in front of you. And uh, she bonds with the Ewok. She finds Wilford Brimley, who's almost a wizard, maybe. And they find these brigands that ride horses somehow that end up on Endor. There's a castle and then there's an evil shape-shifting witch. So it's like if the Lucasfilm gave basically the interns about $80 and said, you guys got to come back with a movie and uh, it may or may not go straight to DVD. We don't know, uh, but, you know, Godspeed. And that's what was kind of made. And it is one of those things where your jaw is just down the entire time for watching it and it's uh it's it's fascinating i discovered this uh, maybe 15 years ago when netflix dvd mail was still new and i was plowing mm -hmm. through the catalog just looking for things and so i just did a search for star wars and saw battle for endor what the heck's that yes. uh, and ordered it <laughs> and watched it i'm curious how you came across it um, I was watching a bunch of uh, uh, Star Wars shows because I was I'm enjoying Ahsoka, and then I wanted mm. to go back. Ahsoka is essentially Star Wars Rebels live action part two. Yeah, right. Because it's all the characters in there. So I, I started rewatching um, Rebels uh, to kind of like familiarize myself again with uh, Ahsoka, and it came up as like, oh, you may also like. I'm like, what is this? I don't remember this at all, and that that's what happened. Uh, I amazing. discovered it when it was advertised as the made-for-TV movie on ABC when I was a child. You watched it when it was new. That's uh, wow. And I rediscovered it when we had 
the main actor, the main child actor on our show, NSFW. Uh, and we got to talk about the experience of making this movie. Uh, if you want to dig into the archives, uh, the main character is named Mace something or other. So we, we called him the original Mace. And we, uh, 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 I should go back and revisit that episode. But yeah, uh, it, it, it is kind of bonkers. This is when uh, George Lucas was kind of dialed out. He's like, do whatever, just sell more yeah, toys, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's, it's wild. There wasn't a lot of, of quality Wars. control going on or supervision <laughs> of the making of this film. <laughs> uh, speaking of quality control, before I get to my buried treasure, uh, the Toy Story NFL game uh, that we mentioned was going to happen happened. A lot of people talking about it. A lot of people critical of the technology not working great. But it seems like the kids loved it. Anybody watch it here? No, not me. I haven't seen it. I, I watched this clip. They put a little highlight reel of some of the moments. And I'm very, I am impressed by the technology. It looks like it looks really well done. The real time data looks fine. I heard there was a lot of uh, a lot of things in the live that just didn't match up. Like the one one play looked like an interception in Toy Story, but it was actually a complete pass. Stuff oh. like that was happening. But the the other thing that really struck me is I don't know who this is for. <laughs> like like we, I, we've talked like Formula One. I've mentioned that Formula One has a kids uh, that has tried doing a kids stream, and they kind of. Uh, break open the, the the sport for you a little bit. Like, hey, they're doing this. This is about to happen. Hey, look for this sort of thing. This is just an this was just, this was just an NFL commentator. But instead of saying it was happening in London, they would just say, "In Andy's room, the Jaguars got a got a touchdown." Like that would be it. Would it was not like they were making it for kids. I think this is for dads. I think this is like for divorced mm. dads. Like, hey, it's nine in the morning. You have a baby in your hands. You you, you don't want to watch the game. You want to watch the game that we have put on for some reason yep. at God early in the morning um, here. And it'll play Toy Story sounds and it won't be that loud. Um, but that's I, very I, different than making this for kids. Yeah, Actually, Bryce, I think you absolutely <laughs> nailed it. It's it's something that pretends to be one thing, but is secretly something else. That's that's right. very good. It, it's like a four hundred dollar Lego set. <laughs> yes but also it's like dad gets to watch the game the kid yeah. gets to think they're watching a cartoon right and mm -hmm. they're both mostly happy both of it's a compromise is what it is it's like and they dad both gets fall asleep before once. the end yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean it's probably it probably is better I, I don't know maybe it make maybe that makes it make more sense like why dumb it down for the kids the kids the kids who want to see this are not going to understand football i don't think and if they understand this, then they, then you could just watch the regular. Anyway, yeah, yeah. all of yeah. a sudden, all of this makes more sense to me, Bryce. I, I think you just <laughs> you just uncovered the Ark of the Covenant. Like that's what they're doing <laughs> is they're letting Dad watch the damn game, and they're letting the kids watch cartoons at the same time. It's the and modified alternate broadcast of a carpenter. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> wait, wait, I, I don't know what that means. That's uh, the the chalice from Ark of the Covenant. Oh, got it. Yeah. Uh, my I very treasure yeah. uh, update on only murders in the building. Uh, it's, 
It's solid. I, I, I've, I've caught up all the way. We fell behind when I was gone for a couple of weeks, uh, but we caught right up and uh, I'm enjoying it. Uh, fun stunt casting. If you like only in the murders in the building, I still stand by my, this is for people who already like it. This isn't, well, I didn't like it season one. You're not going to like it anymore yeah. in season three, uh, but it's, but it's still really fun. And I'm watching a series on Hulu called moving, which is about, a world where people with superpowers are in hiding. Uh, we don't know why they're in hiding. We don't know who has been sent to assassinate them, but someone dressed as a sort of a FedEx driver is got a list of them and is popping them off. And their superpowers are apparently heritable. Uh, so they try to hide the fact that their kids have them. So one of the kids' power is that he can fly, but in reality, what that means is when he gets happy, he starts to float uncontrollably because he's a kid and he can't control his emotions. So his mom makes him wear weights to school and she, he argues of like, no, I'm fine. I haven't had a uh, thing in a long time. Uh, there's another girl who heals really fast and she tries to hide that uh, when she gets in fights at school. Uh, this is a Korean show. It's less than an hour per episode. There's uh, quite a few episodes in the series, uh, but it's really, really good uh so if it what? sounds good to you check it out on hulu again it's called moving what's the um what's the um meaning of actually the title of moving is that because they're always moving around hiding or is there another meaning yeah that? I'm, I'm actually only five episodes in and so far that's what i've gleaned is like they they've had to move a lot particularly the the girl who heals uh, we don't really know what her dad's superpower is but she talks about always having to move uh, and, and I imagine that's just going to unfold more as we, as we go along, but she's already, she met the other kid that I was talking about who floats, uh, because she moved high schools right in the first episode. Okay. And also it's very moving. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> emotionally. <it>. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bryce, what should we be on the lookout for? Hey, I got a pick for you. This is, uh, you, you might've seen this in the top of the Netflix charts. It's a, a new mini doc series from Vice and Amblin Entertainment called Encounters. Uh, this is about uh, 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 people who see, who see things in the sky, aliens and UFOs and the such. But it is these stories where many people have seen, uh, have seen these sites at the same time. And so that's kind of the, the little twist on it is is it's not just one person who saw something and like there were a lot of people who saw lights in Stephenville and they all they all think it's aliens like that's a, that's a really you know we do the weird things podcast and we're very skeptical about aliens and all we there's a lot of reasons things you think are aliens might be aliens and watching this just made me go like no 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 none of that and none of that there, there's one part where the guy is like uh, well we know it wasn't a military we know it wasn't ours wait how on we, earth would you know it's not a military and we know it wasn't another military so that only leaves non-human aircraft like no none of that there's so many leaps anyway it looks really nice it it's it i think maybe it does glamorize this a little bit i mean they do like nice recreations of some of the encounters they really give it um a lot of production value um it's interesting it's interesting some so i i believe that those people saw something i believe they saw something that the f-16s were were chasing they proved that the f-16s were there but it's not aliens. Anyway, 
encounters. It's one so of the most popular shows in the world. Encounters. Right now. These are somewhat distant encounters, but they all happened at the same time. Yeah, they're they're mass encounters because it's all about it. multiple people seeing it. So mass uh, encounters of the Catholic kind. Yeah. So if you hear someone <laughs> talking about encounters, this this is it. It's uh, like the number three, number four show on Netflix right now. Holy moly! Uh, there are four oh. parts, four little stories, so it's not super super long. Uh, but uh, check it out. It's streaming on Netflix right now. If you've got something we should be on the lookout for, please email it to us. That email address is cordkillers at gmail.com. Thank you. I want to remind folks that I do a, a newsletter email every week uh, in which you and I can have a conversation. Uh, I'm just telling you what's going on in my week. And then y'all can just email me at right back to that newsletter uh, and we can chat. In fact, I'm having a great time because I talked in this past week's uh, edition about the crazy parking warnings the Rose Bowl was giving before a concert that we went to on Saturday. Uh to the point that it almost felt like they were trying to talk us out of going at all. Like they're like, you can take an Uber there, but you can't get picked up. <laughs> you want to get picked up? You got to go this other place. Uh, it, it it was wild. We did make the concert. The parking didn't end up being that that horrible, but maybe it worked. Maybe it was because we were warned and did all the right things. Uh, but I'll be following up because some people asked like some questions. I'll be following up with answers to their questions on the email and telling what happened. Uh, in the concert, as well as all the other stuff that I do every week. So you can get that at freetomnewsletter.com and then go read it on your new doghouse system. I was about to say, some people out there are like, how will I read it? And also, how am I consuming this podcast right now? <laughs> I have no computer. Well, head on over to doghousesystems.com slash rogue, spell it right, R-O-G-U-E. You'll get an extra little something and you'll be slowly repaying our debt to them because that is what we run the show on. There's more news out there as we search for good things to look for and look at. So let's start scanning the horizon. Send a scanning to avoid. Scanning the horizon! Disney began its own password sharing crackdown in Canada. Uh, or it will. Starting November 1st, sharing passwords outside your household is an explicit violation of the terms of service in Canada. It's always been kind of against the rules, but they they wrote it into the terms very explicitly. Uh, the subscriber agreement says Disney may, quote, analyze the use of your account and it finds you and if it finds you not in compliance, could limit or terminate your account. It also uses the phrase unless otherwise permitted by your service tier, which implies that maybe Disney might add the ability to pay to add someone from out of your household, but no word on that yet. So uh, uh, for reasons we'll unpack tomorrow on Great Night, uh, I, I went to uh, Epcot and boy, oh boy, is Disney really, really good at excellent communications and secret languages. And um, I, I was thinking a little bit on how they might couch things in a way that nudges people to giving them more money like netflix is like hey you're sharing your passwords that's not allowed knock it off i don't feel like disney that that's not in their character diamond like yeah. they would say terms of service are very different than how they'll design their interactive experience right correct like and so i i wonder what the experience might look like that they would couch this in as they you know very clearly have precise tracking of who's logging in on what password where oh who are oh, yeah, you yeah they know 
<laughs> um, You're not in this household. <laughs> Let's sell you an add-on. <laughs> free free ad-supported streamer Tubi has added a chatbot that's powered by ChatGPT. The feature is called Rabbit AI, and it lets you search natural language and get up to 20 recommendations. You can also have contextual conversations to help refine the search. If you didn't get exactly what you wanted the first time, Rabbit AI is rolling out as a beta feature on Tubi's app to about two-thirds of users and users who pay for ChatGPT as, uh, as a, uh, and can get it as a plugin. Yeah, so if you pay for the ChatGPT, you can get a plugin from them to get it on Tubi, even if you're not among the two-thirds. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, Tableau released the fourth generation of its Tableau DVR. Fourth generation. Remember when we covered the first one? Uh, it has onboard storage, so you don't have to bring your own, capable of keeping up to 50 hours of video. Two ATSC 1.0 tuners, so you get over-the-air broadcasts. Has an app with 70 free ad-supported channels. Uh, in fact, wow. you can even set the DVR to record the free ad-supported channels, letting you skip past the ads later. Uh, doesn't require a subscription fee for the guide anymore, and it's 100 bucks. Does not support viewing or recording from satellite cable or streaming services like Netflix. Does not stream video out of your home network. So those are two things that it cannot do that previous versions could. Uh, there's no more remote viewing. Uh, but hey, you you can record free ad-supported streaming, fast channels. That, that's interesting to me. When they say they have their own channels, like what what is it? Is it just like their own kind of curated channels? And it's it's the same thing you get on Pluto and things. So they they've collected channels from Paramount and other places. Just mm. they're not providing the content. It's just their own collection of them. Meanwhile, perhaps sensing the reckoning coming, streaming companies have formed a lobbying organization called the Streaming Innovation Alliance. Oh, the Alliance of Streaming Innovators, or SIA. Members include Netflix, Disney, Paramount Plus, Warner Brothers, Discovery's Max, Peacock, Uni uh, Televisa Univision, uh, and, and For Us By Us Network, Vault, and Afroland TV, Apple, Amazon, Roku, and Tubi are not currently part of this group. Uh, I think this is a smart play, guys. Um, yeah. I think that this is an emerging space that is now 15 years mature, and it's begging for some kind of official governing body. Yeah, and what we all need is more lobbyists in our lives. Mm -hmm. So I think yeah. it's really, it's really a positive. I'm not here to judge. I'm just saying that, like, like tactically <laughs> speaking, I think this is a smart play. Oh, yeah. absolutely. It, it was inevitable, too. I think it's really interesting about the, the streamers that are not um, that mm -hmm. did not join, like especially like Apple and Amazon. I, I'm like, I would love to hear like the reasons why they decided not to unless they're going to start their own. I, I don't. Yeah. Know. But uh, it, it's you know, it, it seems like a no brainer that everyone's like, you know, all the pharmaceutical companies, but Pfizer join a lot. <laughs> you know, it doesn't make sense. Apple's not a joiner. So it doesn't right, shock true. me. They they often join later. They they aren't the first ones into the pool and stuff like this. Amazon may just be looking at the fact that it it's it's video streaming is so ancillary to everything else. Uh, I don't know. They Roku, don't you think would be in this though? Like and Tubi as well. Uh, well, keep in mind Roku is in a very dominant position right now. Like they have they have the hardware install base, and so yeah, it makes sense. Basically, this is the part where everybody sifts into. Uh, do you care who runs this lobbying organization or do you not? And if you, uh, basically Apple, Amazon, Roku, and Tubi have announced 
yeah, we care. We care a lot. And so we're going to, we're going to sit and watch and see whether see or not happens. this is a ranshackle yeah. organization or not. The only disappointing thing about this is that I couldn't figure out a good Sia joke to make about the song Chandelier. Uh, <laughs> AMC Networks launched its ad-supported version of the AMC Plus streaming service. So instead of $9 a month, you pay $5 a month. And they say it'll be five minutes or fewer ads per hour. And all the same content that you would get on the $9 a month tier just with ads. Yeah, I don't know. I, oh, I, just join a bigger t- streamer. Just <laughs> stop wasting our time, AMC. <laughs> just get bought. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. just just get bought mm-hmm. and go go into the, go into with the big boys. Oh, uh, don't worry. It'll by by May of next year. I think we'll be yes. talking about the fact that they got bought. <laughs> Though I would say if you're watching two AMC shows, and if you're if you would buy them for two dollars, I mean we're we're getting back to that sort of math, right? Like yeah, right, five dollars is not bad. It's yeah. not that bad. And you watch- yeah, how much do you like zombies? Yeah. I mean, I mean to be honest, uh, uh, this is not video related, but the Economist is about to spin up their podcast thing, and I'm like, do I really want the Economist to vanish from my life? And I think I'm about to. It's only I think for twenty dollars a year, uh, right? They make it sound exactly, like exactly oh, right. It's barely you're barely paying anything. Yeah, I mean if you're a fan of Daryl. <laughs> from the walking yes. dead he's he'll he'll keep playing that that character until he dies i have a feeling yes. and it'll good, be a good character, for him. by the he way won- a little trivia not in the comic book right oh, yeah, right. just for the show <laughs> yeah yeah and a quick note the lg does not plan to support etsc 3.0 in its tvs next year because of uncertainty over patents etsc 3.0 also called next gen tv is broadcast television's bid to bring 4k hdr Dolby Atmos audio in most uh, in more uh, interactive elements to technologies like DRM, ugh, which we all love, and over-the-air broadcasts. Vizio and TCL have also dedicated or decided to not support it in their TVs. Uh, Great. So no HDMI cables will work at all after that. <laughs> <laughs> well, this this is over the air, so it's it w- it would be your it would be over your antennas. Uh, and then yes, and then your HDMI cables would not work. Um, between yeah, ATS three. We've we've talked a little bit on on this show. Uh, I I feel more and more like ATS C three is like cable card. LG was one of the biggest supporters of it. They already sell LG TVs that support it. In the past two years, the fact that even LG who wants to support it can't figure out how how to get past the patent lawsuits now. Uh, and the fact that most people are like, I mean, sure, I guess it would be cool if I were to be able to get over-the-air broadcasts on my phone, which is one of the things ATSC 3.0 could do. It, it could be broadcast to phone antennas. Qualcomm has it built into their chip. But I don't know how many people are really going to care when data coverage is as good as it is these days. Um, I mean, that's, we'll see. I, I may, I may be proved wrong, but no, no, I think, I think you're hundred percent right. And it's, it's so wild because some people may not even remember the panic over net neutrality. And uh, here we are in a world where you can, can get broadband through so many different ways. It, it doesn't feel like we need legislation for any of that stuff. And again, so maybe- this is an over the air that get, that might just get completely disappeared if no manufacturer supports it. Uh, correct. Yeah. yeah. Which it's, would it's be a bummer. A um, and leave, leaving us on ATSC 1.0 until over the air use just dwindles to nothing, um, mm. which is, which would be no 4k over the air. Um, I don't know. It just feels like the need for it will expire before they get their act together. <laughs> to I agree. Make, to make it worthwhile. Yeah. Mm. 
Uh, speaking of net neutrality, by the way, they're bringing that one back. Oh, uh, under the FCC. In, in, what, in what context? The the FCC chair announced that they will uh, introduce a notice for proposed rulemaking uh, to reimpose the net neutrality open internet guidelines uh, as put forth under Tom Wheeler that were overturned by the previous administration. So oh. the ping pong that I predicted is definitely happening. Nice. And then as soon back. as someone else gets into the White House, it'll go the other way. Yeah. Uh, all right. That's enough of our chatter. Let's hear what you're chattering about. You've got mail. Nate says, hi. Hi, Nate. What's the real difference between recasting Rick and Morty versus using AI as voice actors? Why is one considered okay, but the other isn't considered okay? Sorry for the dumb question, Nate. Nate, no such thing. It's a great question. What, what's the difference, Brian? Uh, well, I, to be honest, I, I think Chris could probably uh, uh, explain this better than me, but but as I understand it, whoo, being replaced with a robot turns out makes the WGA a little bit prickly and actors and so no, on. No, uh, more more the sag, more sag. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> this sag. Is the, yeah, this yeah, is sag the uh, WGA, but yes, the union yeah. is they uh, again with uh, AI. It's it's very clear that they're not going to stand for it, especially you know when you have an actor that's been voicing something for you know years, and then you also have uh, you know, and then all of a sudden you're not going to pay an actor to voice that character after that. I mean, but one of the most egregious things is, um, you know, what they were trying to do with background actors is, you know, like you have like a lot of background actors in all of these different um, movies and TV shows. They wanted to pay a background actor once and then just use them in perpetuity for any specific show or movie that they wanted in, in forever. Um, so SAG is very specific on you use an actor, you hear a voice, you pay a human. And uh, so that's going to be pretty much across the board. Well, and on yeah, top of that, th I have a feeling we'll get we'll get something similar, which is, yeah, you can use AI to voice Rick and Morty uh, or anything else all day long. Here's the royalty schedule for it. Here's ultimately how that a gets human paid. needs yeah. to be paid for it. Right. Yes. And mm -hmm. and that's that's going to be the um, uh, the it, it, keep in mind. Also, uh, Adult Swim is doing a, a, a real careful PR dance around the reason for for the swapping and uh they 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 definitely don't want to be left holding the bag saying whatever robots we got it like like there there's kind of a good look to it i think there's another question here from nate though i'm i'm going to guess uh which is sure 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 somebody gets paid but why is it okay to replace Justin Roiland with someone who sounds like him. Well, it, right? well it, isn't that part of it also the same? The the problem is in the the PR of it well, all. There are many reasons why that happens. Like, and and you guys know it's there is some controversy uh, there. Well, and, like, like, uh, let, let let's take the Avengers. It's like it, it, Tony Stark is not a person. It's a team of people who enhance and de-age and set up the CG armor and all that stuff but when the credits roll you don't want to see all of that you want to see one name yeah ultimately we we like other humans and uh that's what they have to do and and that'll be part of the pr uh, push for the show is if revealing i, if I can try to Rick. separate the controversy over why he's not doing the voice anymore i think what nate's wondering is like 
Okay, but if anybody's voice gets replaced by somebody who sounds like them, is that fair? Shouldn't that per the person who created that voice in the first place get something, even if it's another person doing it? Uh, no, in the contract, uh, this is the reason everybody has to hire a lawyer or have an agent or whatever is because the contracts have a bunch of coded language. There was one time I signed a contract and um, there was a little itty bitty bit of boilerplate that said, yeah, anything you do, we own all of the intellectual property. And, uh, and then uh, not really knowing what that meant, I performed my full magic show on their platform. And later on, uh, there was a TV opportunity and I said to overall, I'm like, oh, I don't know, this is what the contract says. And the guy says, you do realize you just signed away the entire rights to your entire stage show. And I was lucky enough that everybody was cool, but like, uh, that's, that's, that's what we're dealing with here. Read the fine print. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And a lot of, um, um, actors, you know, they have agents and lawyers, but uh, you know, that. These contracts can be very, very uh, tricky. So it's always good to have it reviewed by a professional. And sometimes this stuff is above board. You hire right. a voice actor mm -hmm. and you say, look, you're going to do the voice of this character, but we reserve the right to replace you with a different voice actor and you can't sue us for the characterization. A hundred percent. I mean, yeah. it's really, it's not just creative and producer decisions. It's also, um, you know, studio decisions where like, you know, and also what happens if, the actor dies and then, yeah, you right. know, the character in the show keeps going. You have to, you know, find somebody to replace, you know, that that character. So the, all of those contracts have those stipulations and writers in them that, uh, you know, I, I hate to say it this way, but everybody is replaceable. So, yeah, I mean, and, really and, and to be honest, they should be. I would be sad if there was just no more Kermit the Frog because, you know, well, Jim Henson's dead. Who's going to yeah, voice it that's now? That's it. Right. Mm -hmm. So so I think, Nate, this is a really good question. Thank you for sending this. Uh, I think. It's not that AI isn't okay and replacing is, it's that we have systems set up to deal with replacing a person and who gets the credit and who gets paid. We don't, we don't have that yet for, for AI right. voice actors. We, and so we need to create what those rules are going to be. Yeah. This and is... they're different rules because the AI doesn't have the same presence as a human being, at least not yet. Uh, uh, so, uh, Tom, you brought up a really good, we, we got a lot of emails of people worried that spoiler in time was going away. Uh, uh, you brought up the fact that we should address that on spoiler in time. So if you're listening to this program, make sure to listen to spoiler in time where we'll address all of that. It's not going away. Uh, and, and if you're, uh, I, I hope you're getting used to the the new the new names of segments. I certainly am. <laughs> so hey, I'm getting uh, more I, I hope you're getting used to the 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 new way of thinking about stuff, which is that you know the cords the cords are 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 kind of kind of dead. Uh, but the companies that replace them, uh, it's time for a reckoning. Uh, what what are you doing with with what you won? So so thank you for coming along in this evolution of cord killers with us. And thank you, Chris, for joining us. Uh, what, what are you working on these days? Well, it's Kickstarter season. So usually when I'm on, I have a Kickstarter uh, <laughs> going. And uh, uh, this is a, actually a sequel, Long Ago and Far Away 2. Like if you guys remember a, a, a year, a guy, well, it's more than a year or two ago, a couple years ago, we did Long Ago and Far Away, which is essentially like Narnia meets Clerks, where instead of uh, British school children going through the wardrobe, it's mouthy 30-year-olds who are going nowhere in their lives. And uh, that was the first volume. This is the sequel. And due to their adventures in the um, world the first time, the main character now has a son. But since time passes differently, like in Narnia, the son is now 20 years older than him and is pissed off at getting 
abandoned and tries to basically kill him in a hotel room at Comic-Con with a sword. So that's kind of how this second uh, volume starts. And one of the things I always love about kind of like mixing like the fantasy comedy, there's a lot you can kind of explore. But what I also wanted to do is kind of explore like the different points of our lives of, uh, you know, being that childhood wonder regaining that sense of like, you know, that inner child, but then also can you move on from being a child to actually being a parent and how parenting is messy. And then of course I add zombies and necromancers and hot witches and uh, you know, elves and all sorts of other things to make things more complicated for our heroes. And if you missed volume one, there's also catch up tears. So you could grab uh, volume one. So it's comprehensive. There's only, there's less than three weeks left. It does need some help to get to the uh, the goals. So any support you guys can give out there is uh, super, super appreciated. You can go to whitecatentertainment.com, click through there, or you could just go to kickstarter.com and uh, uh, look for um, Long Go and Far Away 2, Son of Elvenwood. So um, thank you for your support, Cord Killer uh, supporters. Get out there and support them, whitecatentertainment.com. Our website is still cordkillers.com. Our email address is still cordkillers at gmail.com. We're live on twitch.tv slash night attack Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Still reckon we'll see you next time. Oh, we're not done yet, Brian. What? We have more? Yeah, look. Look at all those those names scrolling by. Tom, we just did so many hours of insights into the world of cord killing. But you know why we were able to do all those hours as these people right here? These are some of the greatest people of all time. Oh, better than Abraham Lincoln? I believe he's on this list. Better than Abraham Lincoln's ghost? Yes. Better than Richard Nixon? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hard to conceive, but I am not a crook or a liar when I tell you they are. Why are all of these names either future or past presidents? It's really weird. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Presidents, everybody. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs) 